What's up all, Aaron, but not that Aaron here to tell you about Sifpop Writer's Room. For the past several years, there have been a growing amount of writers for Sifpop.com providing best ever challenges, movie reviews, themes, legacies, connections, and so much more. Sifpop Writer's Room is where that all comes together, giving a voice to those words that you read. And on the show, every week is excellent getting to chat such a wide variety of movies with a wide variety of movie lovers, and I'm really having a lot of fun with the show, and I just think that you would too. So check out Sifpop Writer's Room wherever you listen to your podcast, and we'll see you over there. Just remember to knock first. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. You are out of control. I'm out of control because I have a decent amount of energy. I was going to say it's sitting at 80% right now because normally we record a little bit later, but right now it's the middle of the day. We're getting it done, which means I can't drink. I mean, I guess I could, <laughs> but I, I need to work out. I don't want to do that drunk and or tipsy and drop a weight on my face. So I'm, I'm stone cold sober right now. You're buzzed on that pre-workout. People might be worried that I'm drunk. I, I assure you that I'm not. It's just when we do these, I like to suck down two to three Trulies. And good. Um, it just relaxes me. Yeah, it's it's like a good, it's, it's nice, refreshing, especially right now in the middle of summer. Where you are right now, would you say that it's a lot more humid than it was Missouri? Yes. Oh, interesting. It definitely feels different. Since you're in Midwest and I'm East, it's hazy because of the fires out in the West. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's kind of, isn't it weird that it mo- it just moves? Yeah. Literally, <laughs> this, this, the smoke will just travel across the country. Yeah, it's kind of like a traveling under the dome that oh. it, just, it just, no matter what happens, we can't escape it. But yeah, it was it was weird with it being hazy here. And it just looks weird. I, t- I snapped a great photo the other night and it was at sunset and it was a, uh, it was a great photo. We don't have much of a skyline here, but it was a overlooking what we do have of uh, the downtown area. And it was cool it, with the, that haze and it was just, you know, almost what seemed like a filter to be between you and the setting sun. That was really cool. But it's it's kind of eerie and creepy though. Can we get a good adaptation of Under the Dome, by the way? Because that's remember how bad that CBS show was? Yeah, it's, it's crazy because the first season, when that was out, um, so a mutual friend of ours, uh, he and I, that was my first time dipping my toes into the podcast world. And on the first season, did that and we watched it. Um, <laughs> and, and didn't want to come back for season two. <laughs> so, isn't see, that what yeah. it was? So, well, basically, what happened in season two, we were planning on coming back. And then, what I think we missed like one or two episodes, and we heard awful things about season two, just awful things. And then we were reading that it was going in a really bad direction. A lot of fans of the novel were really upset, saying that this is not the under the dome that they remember and loved and 
we then at the same time, we were trying to figure out what to do. We thought maybe we'll come back and do like recaps over every other episode, something like that. And we just dropped it entirely. And I'll say that it was fun to do something like that with the show, but it was no joke where the, is it Jay and Jack, the Lost podcast, those guys mm -hmm. who did it? Yeah. So uh, we kind of modeled it after that where we did two episodes a week and it was a lot where we did the initial and then we did like a recap and we broke down like the statistics and did a deep dive into the book um, and tried to find out some of the major comparisons and some of the differences. But I think from what we got and what there could be, it would be a great mini series, but then again, there's Lizzie's story. And even though I'm not a big fan of the book, that's, is that finished now on uh, Apple plus? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And that didn't make any, that didn't make a splash at all. Um, I need to, I only watched the first one. I was kind of waiting for it to end. And then the first one didn't blow me away. So it looks like July 16th was the final chapter and there were only eight episodes and it finished and it's got a pretty low rating overall. So that sucks. Low rating on what though? Um, so I'm looking at, um, I pulled it up on IMDb first and then I oh. pulled up uh, Rotten Tomatoes to see what it would look like there. Um, damn, man, that's just, it's not good. Do you have those old episodes anymore? I'd love to listen to that. And I'd have to, I think they're all archived. They went offline. I think those were saved for a year. And then I can't, I want to say we use Podbean or something like that. And it was, uh, it was cheap, but it got the job done. And because of that reason, they were only online for a little while and they were taken off. It'd be fun to revisit the show itself and just cover it. Cause we, we did that with the stand, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was that at least had the courtesy of just being what 10 episodes or whatever yeah. it was, which I miss. I kind of want to rewatch that. I know you sent me a photo of the original Stan miniseries and the new one on uh digital media or a uh, hard media uh, hard copy. And I'm like, I want to get that on Blu ray. And it got me really intrigued to the idea of living in Vegas, which we did not move to Vegas, but I kept pitching it to my wife. <laughs> why don't you apply to positions in uh, in Vegas and see what happens? And she was like, I don't think you would like that. I think <laughs> after two to three days, you would go, why did we do this? These are not your kind of people. It's, it's so funny, like watching movies set in Vegas outside of like Army of the Dead. You've got movies like Leaving Las Vegas and there's a Stallone movie where he's in Vegas. I think it was like, not I the Beholder, but something like that. And it's always like people who freaking hate it. <laughs> and they're just like miserable and they're down on their luck and they've like lost all their money to gambling or they're coke addicts or drug addicts, something like that. And it's it's always portrayed in such a negative light. Like off the top of my head, I can't think of a movie set in Vegas that I'd say paints a cherry photo of Vegas. Like, can you think of one? Vegas vacation. Well, outside of that one. <laughs> Which even then is just Clark um, going broke. 
So <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But they all win cars by the end of it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's always like the hangover or something where there's this, you know, really dark underbelly, undertone. Even, right. I mean, it's the place where you go to just unleash your, your inner just desires. Yeah, it's not a place where you go to raise a family. <laughs> I do want to go. I I would like to spend a week there. I'm not a gambler at all, but I would like to walk around. Mm-hmm. And I want to go to that new Vegas, the Raiders Stadium. That thing looks dope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are things there in which you are able to, like, it's there's more than gambling there. And I mean, heck, you've even got the Grand Canyon, Hoover Dam, a lot of things too that nature-wise you'd be able to explore outside of that. But it's fascinating. I love, obviously, one of my favorite movies of all time, Casino, is based in Vegas. I mean, the idea of how Vegas is founded and just the idea that you have this city in the desert and there's nothing else surrounding it. It's just, to me, fascinating. There's something so weird and bizarre, but interesting about that type of story we started this conversation talking about stephen king that is going to be one person who we talk about a little bit more because this episode is dedicated to our pop culture pickums for the month of august also in addition to that at the end of this episode we will talk about the suicide squad or from now on i'm going to refer to it as james gunn's the suicide squad but let's now dive right into our pop culture pickups for the month of August. Before we get into our top three, let's let's talk about a few things that didn't quite make the cut. And Drew, do you want to talk about some of your picks that aren't in your top three? As you mentioned, new Stephen King. It's actually out August third, I believe. It's called mm-hmm. Billy Summers. It's his new book. I don't know too much about it. I think it's about a hitman that wants to get out and he's forced to do one more job and it says everything goes completely wrong. And then there's a new horror film, The Night House. Mm, that that does look really good. I, I will say with Stephen King, obviously, that was on my list as well, Billy Summers, where I almost put it on just to include a novel, but it's going to be a little bit before I get to that novel. I'm really excited for it. I know before we started recording, you talked about ordering later, which was Stephen King's last novel that he released. Um, I too, I want to read that. I may wait until the fall and then I may do a binge of Stephen King and uh, that and Billy Summers, I think will be at that time whenever I do that binge when I read those. But looking forward to those um, especially uh, Billy Summers. I will say uh, also we've got the extended or some have been calling it the bloated final season of The Walking Dead. I'm excited to see how this show wraps up. We've got, I think, 32 episodes and they're breaking this down into parts. It starts on August 22nd. I'm really curious the direction that they take. They released two trailers for it recently, and it actually got me excited. I'm, I have to say, I am I'm looking forward to seeing how this will end, uh, how they'll wrap it up. I know how the comics ended, so I'm curious if they stick to this. I will say the directions that they've taken so far, they'll have to change a decent amount about it, so it makes me wonder what they'll do with that. 
no spoilers here, but um, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, the other thing, Candyman, not on my list. Oh, yeah, uh, that is that's a, a movie. I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And it's funny. As soon as I text you this uh, this morning, I said that's not on my list, but I really want to see it. <laughs> I saw a trailer on YouTube. I'm like, maybe I should reconsider that. Uh, it popped up as like a pre-roll ad. But August 27th, end of this month, we get the brand new take on Candyman from Jordan Peele, uh, who has written and is producing that. Very pumped for it. And then lastly, I do not have James Gunn, The Suicide Squad on my list. Since it's coming out uh, this weekend, I'm really looking forward to it. It's If it weren't Coming out this weekend, I think I'd probably have this at number one because there are a lot of things I'm, I really can't wait to see on the big screen from Starro to seeing how Harley Quinn is treated in this to revisiting some of the characters. And we'll get into that when we talk about that at the end of this episode. But yeah, th- those are the uh, four things that didn't make my list, but I'm excited to see. But Drew, do you want to start us off with your number three on your top three list? I'm actually going to pick a new thriller starring John David Washington. Ooh. It's called Beckett. Comes out August 13th on Netflix, which kind of blows. <laughs> but it's a dude vacationing in Greece, and he becomes the target of a manhunt after a devastating accident. And he's forced to run for his life. It almost sounds like The Fugitive. Mm-hmm. That looks really good. And I have to say, that should have been on my runner-up list. The trailer looks solid, and I'm worried about it being on Netflix because typically they crap the bad whenever it comes to movies. <laughs> but the uh, this concerning. looks good. It's John David Washington. And that was your wild card. Your, your number three is funny. Uh, leading up to recording this, you were talking about uh, changing it up. I have to say my number three, I changed it up as well. And it was this morning because I've been going through listening to a lot of different artists, but not just like listening to like a song or two from them, but going through their entire discography, including some of their remix albums, uh, acoustics, stripped versions, things like that. And recently, one of the artists who I've done that with is Halsey. I, I listened to uh, one of her, there were a couple of songs that she had like a strip version. She was just in like the, almost like the NPR style, small desk concert, something like that. Um, well, anyways, I was listening to one of her songs and then there was mention of how she's releasing a new album at the end of this month. And that's coming out on August 27th. And it's titled, If I Can't Have You, I Want Power. Now, here's an asterisk. Even though the album is my on my list, this is also a film that will come out two days before on August 25th, and it was shot for the IMAX. So this will be an IMAX film, and this is directed by, the film itself is directed by Colin Tilley, who's worked with Halsey on a few other songs uh, that she's done, uh, like You Should Be Sad, but uh, directing her music videos. Well, Halsey, here's one interesting thing that got me more pumped for this. The album is produced by Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. Yeah. And this looks freaking 
crazy, but awesome. And like within this, I was doing some research about this album. One thing that I found to be one of the most fascinating things is that Halsey's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. Well, this idea of her uh, releasing this album is heavily inspired by the uh, kind of the birth, not just the birth of her child, um, but also dives into some really deeper issues. And I found it to be interesting, some of the things that she talked about. And she claims that this is a concept album that quote unquote deals with the joys and horrors of pregnancy and childbirth. And that the, she keeps labeling this as like a nightmare. Um, and it's goes into the quote unquote greatest horror stories never told that were buried with the bodies of those who died in the labyrinth. So it's like the trailer to the movie looks nuts and the music looks equally dark and heavy, but there's something about this concept album and artwork that looks so interesting. And with her working with Trent and Atticus, that makes me even more excited. And I think this could be um, something that is, like I said, it's a total experiment, could be really awesome or could suck. I, I liked her last album and honestly, this almost made my list too. It's There's a lot with this. I, I think um, I, she's definitely growing and it's it's it will be interesting to see how she grows within this album and especially this film. Uh, I did not have the film on my list, but it's kind of like a combo package. But I'd have to say that's a very first for me where it's been kind of, even though I went for an album, I do now want to see the film, uh, but it's it's not showing anywhere the, near me. The closest would be St. Louis, but it's actually showing in your city. I checked the release dates. and Oh, good. Yeah. So that's available for you if you want to see it on August 25th. Uh, speaking of music, The Killers have a new album in a couple of weeks mm. called Pressure Machine. It was not on my list because they have yet to release a single from it, so it's hard to judge, but it is The Killers. That'll be, that'll be awesome. Right now, we don't know any information about it. And they currently just have their songs listed as like tracks one through 11 or whatever. Numero two on my list. It comes out August 20th uh, on HBO Max and in theaters. It's called Reminiscence. <sighs> it's uh, Lisa Joy's directorial debut. She co-created Westworld with hubby Jonathan Nolan, brother of Mr. Mm. Chris Nolan. It's about a scientist who discovers a way to relive your past and uses that technology to search for his long lost love is got Sir Hugh Jackman and the lovely Rebecca Ferguson. In it. I will say Rebecca Ferguson, uh, just like we were talking about John David Washington, Rebecca Ferguson's in the same camp. Pretty much anything she's in, I will watch. I just, I, I love her so much. I rewatched Dr. Sleep um, this past winter and I saw the director's cut and I will say, I would gladly just forfeit myself over to her as Rose the Hat <laughs> and say, I don't care. You may kill me, take my soul and suck me of my energy. I just love you. So she's awesome. I mean, she would do that, but you would be with her through time. So oh, it's true. not necessarily the worst thing imaginable. That's a good point. Um, I mean, you are killing kids and stuff, but <laughs> if you can live with that, then I think that's a good opportunity. Yeah, now that you say that, doesn't sound so great. 
but yeah, no, that's uh, man. She speaking of, she just so good as Rose the Hat. But in great. general, she's awesome. I just she's love great. her. I, I, man, I, I wanted to get cold and snowy because that's such a perfect, just like mm-hmm. winter movie. I, I've yet to do The Shining, butt it up to, and then butt that up with the Doctor Sleep. But I want to do that. I will say so. Going from one Rebecca to the next. This was on your list that almost made your top three, but I'm going to say number two for me is The Night House, featuring Ooh. not Rebecca Ferguson, but Rebecca Hall, coming out in theaters on August 20th. As you said, this looks trippy because it's a horror film, but I can't quite figure out what to expect here. And the synopsis says, a widow become, begins to uncover her recently deceased husband's disturbing secrets. Ooh. Um, the trailer to this makes it seem like one thing. Um, I mean, that description alone is, is fascinating because, um, I'll say that the, the description, that synopsis to me sounds like Lizzie's story, the Stephen King story, um, that just finished as we talked about earlier in this podcast. Uh, that's a mini series, but at the same time, I've been really fascinated with like this doppelganger or other world, almost like a parallel world. And I know, for example, us, that kind of started that, uh, I feel like for me. Um, and then this movie kind of looks like that. It makes me wonder if it's kind of like uh, the upside down in Stranger Things terms, where maybe she's dealing with another version of herself. Um or she's dealing with maybe the ghost of her husband, the house coming alive, something like that. I'm not sure. It looks really intriguing, but I can't wait for it. So from one horror film to the next, numero one, I, I can't believe this is not on your list. Um, you should be putting time out for not putting Candy Man <sighs> as at least your number two. It comes out August 27th, finally. Um, yeah. In theaters, directed by Nia DaCosta, starring the amazing Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Ooh. And this is a direct sequel to the 1992 classic of the same name. We've got we've to get away from this stupid trend. And this goes for you too, James Gunn. Why are we doing sequels and naming it the same thing? Yeah. It's like Halloween and Halloween. What are you talking about? Which one? Oh, I mean the new one. Just yep. come up with something original. So we got Candyman followed by Candyman. I don't <laughs> care. This movie looks amazing. As you as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Jordan Peele, among three writers credited for the screenplay, every piece of marketing, posters, TV spots, trailers, this looks absolutely amazing. As we get closer, it's, it's kind of like the Suicide Squad. My anticipation is building to a point where it's just overrunning with excitement. And I just, I'm ready for it. I hope it does not get delayed or pushed back again. Oh my goodness. Let's hope not. So mine will not get delayed because it is coming out on Disney Plus. And it's releasing on August 11th. And it's the What If series. Oh, wow. Yeah. I There's something about this that really intrigues me because I love just the simple question of what if. Obviously, a lot of stories, uh, like in, in college, um, anytime I would write and do things, it always stemmed from that question, what if, blah, blah, blah. 
same way with movies. I feel like that's one of the main reasons why I love the Twilight Zone so much because it, it that's the core question, I think, at all episodes, um, any good story. So with that, this too, with it being animated, is something that's been piquing my interest across the board because I watched Invincible on Amazon Prime, Love Death Robots and Netflix, and it's following this trend that I've noticed. I like to watch more adult animation. There's something about it to me that's really intriguing in terms of how you can tell a story, but it's done in an animated format. And this itself, I think, has a lot of potential in many different ways to show, you know, how a Marvel storyline could end up or have ended up if just a few things were different. I've heard really solid things about the first two episodes, and I'm intrigued to see where this goes. If I had to guess, they're going to set up a lot within the series that we'll end up seeing in the live-action version coming up very soon because Loki kind of blew the doors off, without any spoilers, blew the doors off of what we're, you know, as we step into this next phase of Marvel, what we can expect. And I think What If will just further solidify that. But more importantly, I wonder if this will shape the MCU going forward. I, I really wonder if this could change the game because now Marvel's announced that they're going to open up their an animation studio where they're dedicated to creating. I don't know if we can say more shows or movies like this, but we'll start seeing more content in general from Marvel that's animated. Well, that's going to do it for our pop culture pickums. Now let's move into the Suicide Squad, where we talk about uh, a couple of questions that we have on our minds leading up to James Gunn's brand new version. Comes out August 5th, Thursday night, for all of us plebs, as I said, that haven't seen this. I'm super stoked. You're super stoked. We, we put together some questions, okay? With 99 reviews, the Suicide Squad currently sits at 96% on the almighty Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, that's a consensus rating. But do you think we'll actually live up to the hype? Yeah, I do. Mainly because I keep hearing how great it is. And I have to say, James Gunn has yet to really disappoint. Now, you could say that it, it might not be as amazing as what you expected, but I think we'll both come out enjoying it. Yeah. Are, are you at all worried at all that this movie will be too zany or over the top? Because we keep hearing about how violent it is. As we've heard more and more about this movie, I'm less concerned, but I'm not going to lie that until I see it, I think that will be something in the back of my mind worried well, what will end up happening here. Uh, you know, are they going to go, are they going to push the edginess just to have an R rating or is a lot of this going to end up having meaning behind it? Uh, a handful of characters return from the first movie. We have Harley Quinn, Rick Flagg, Viola Davis back. Who are you looking forward to seeing get a second chance after that first one came out and just was ripped? I would say Harley Quinn, but since we got Birds of Prey, that kind of ended up meeting that thirst that I had to see more of her. And I'm excited to see her, especially under James Gunn's direction. 
But really, I have to say Captain Boomerang. I'm I'm really curious to see how what he's like in this. And I know I mentioned earlier that you rewatched David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I really want to rewatch it just to see more Captain Boomerang and see if there's a major difference between the two characters for this. But I I just I'm I'm curious to see if there's more. I should say a possibility of having Captain Boomerang live on beyond this, or is this a one and done? But he, I'd have to say, is probably at the top of my list. We should probably sound the spoiler alert alarm because we might be hitting topics that obviously we don't know if it's going to be true or not, mm-hmm. but it could be. Um, so that's going off right now. Spoiler warning. I'm pretty confident Boomerang is going to die within like 10 minutes. <laughs> Because I think we're gonna, I think they're gonna be on a mission to start this movie off. Things are gonna go south, and the bulk of those characters are gonna bite the dust. Because right. Gunn keeps saying that the whole freaking marketing is don't get too attached. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine the bulk of these characters die early, and then we're gonna have more by the end of the film. Sadly, I think Boomerang's, I think he's done so, mm-hmm. or he's seriously hurt and can't be in the rest of the film because he's also not in the marketing a lot. Yeah. If I had to pick someone that I'm excited for, it's going to be Rick Flagg because mm. Joel Kinnaman is awful in that first one. <laughs> so I'm hoping this the second time around, um, I'm hoping it goes better. Now, we got a lot of new characters this time. Ooh. James Gunn went deep into the uh, DC, the annals of DC to come up <laughs> with the characters for this film. Who are you most excited for? Weirdly enough, it's not one person to be on screen but it's more of a voice. And that voice belongs to the one and only Sly Stallone, who's Ooh. voicing King Shark. I also have to say, what we've seen so far, King Shark looks really crazy, but like fun. And there was, I, I've been trying to limit what I see, but YouTube popped up like a five second quick pre-roll of the Suicide Squad, just like a quick teaser. And it made me lol hard. And this happened yesterday. <laughs> and it was King Shark. I don't know if you've seen this, but King Shark, he <laughs> he has this little, like, it looks like character made of Play-Doh. And he pulls it up. And in the sly voice, he's like, Peacemaker? And then Peacemaker's like trying to drill into a wall. And he like stops and he looks over and he's like, it looks nothing like me. And that's it. That's the only thing it showed. And it made me lull so hard because I could totally see Sly Stallone being bulked up, not as a shark, but himself saying and delivering that line and then just irritating John Cena as Peacemaker so much to get a reaction out of him. It was it was so stupid and random, but it made me laugh. And I think back to that every once in a while and it makes me laugh. So... I'm excited just to see what King Shark does uh, to to tear some guys in half. But more importantly, I'm excited to hear Sly Stallone voice him. That's a good pick. He's going to be a fan favorite, I assume. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm I'm excited to see a lot of these characters, but something about Ratcatcher 2 intrigues mm. me. It seems like she's going to be maybe the the emotional center to a lot of this movie. Uh, at least in connection to Idris Elba's character. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to, maybe she'll be kind of the uh, the down-to-earth character. We'll see what happens. As we talked about, characters will die. What major character do you think 
bites the bullet, and we're talking a Harley Quinn, a Bloodsport, a Peacemaker, aka John Cena, a Rick Flag, somebody along those lines. Who's the big? And you can pick more than one. The one person who's totally safe is Harley Quinn. Absolutely. I think that for some reason, even though I'm excited for King Shark, I'm worried about King Shark. Oh, there's no way. I, I'm worried, but I, I'm I'm going I'm about 50-50 with him. I will say I'm pretty positive Peacemaker gets it, mainly because we've got the TV series coming out. And the reason why James Gunn is wanting to dive into his character is just to see more of what Peacemaker would be like to have just in general more just more content with him, more stories with him. And the only way to do that is by delivering a prequel, which I'm assuming, we've talked about this before, but I'm assuming that Peacemaker is going to be a prequel, that we get more of this backstory. And from what I've heard too, it's more of a throwback story. So that gives, once again, more of an inclination that it's going to be a prequel. I also wonder Bloodsport, if he'll end up dying, um, just to, I mean, that knocking him and Peacemaker out. I know, that'd be that, bold. That, yeah, and that that's, that's crazy. But I do expect a lot of people to end up dying. But of those major characters, I will say my bet is on Peacemaker to bite the bullet. Uh, Bloodsport is a close second, but I think he'll end up living in the end. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say Bloodsport, but as we talked about, we do we do think Peacemaker's a prequel. I think Gunn wants to keep the stakes high, so you have to kill people. But I think he also realizes he had something gold with John Cena, and it was worthy of bringing back for another story. So I'm going to say Peacemaker dies, Bloodsport survives. I wouldn't be surprised if Rick Flagg maybe died too, but mm. um, I'm going to say he's safe and Harley's safe. Everyone else, I even Polka Dot Man, I bet he goes. Yeah. Yeah, my looking at the the list here of characters who bite it, I would say Peacemaker. Um, I I don't want Michael Rooker as Savant to die, but he's gone. I think Waller save. Um, Nathan Fillion as TDK, which I didn't realize he was in this until recently. I think he's a goner. I think Captain Boomerang is a goner. Pete Davidson's Blackguard's a goner. Um, Polka Dot Man's a goner. I think Weasel, played by Sean Gunn, he's a goner. I, I would say most of these characters are going to die by the end of this movie. So do you think this will jump to number one on your DCEU list? Man, that's tough. Um, there's a possibility. I would say there's a possibility. I'm not, I won't say absolutely yes right now, but that's a strong, a strong maybe. I'm going to say no. I don't think this tops Batman v Superman, the ultimate cut for me. Final question. I haven't looked or heard anything about how much this is expected to make in its opening weekend. So we'll do over under $50 million. And you got to keep in mind, this is on HBO Max, which I don't yeah. think will hurt as much as you would expect. Because again, all these movies, old second week release, absolutely tanked. Mm-hmm. It's not streaming that's killing these, these things. It's like the people that really want to go during the pandemic are going to go early and then yeah. you're going to have stragglers, but you're not going to have the second week, third week crowd that you used to. 
Yeah. And honestly, I think we'll see a major, um, I think we'll see a, a really solid opening weekend. And with this also being on HBO Max, I think there's a lot of people who want to see it in the theater and not only just in a theater, but on the biggest screen possible. So go mm -hmm. into IMAX. I mean, I'm that That's way. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah and you're, exactly. Absolutely. So with that, I don't mind paying a higher cost of a ticket price just to go and see this movie with the best sound, best picture. So with that being the case, I'm going to go north of 50. I think it will Ooh. barely make more than 50, but I think it will make just north of that. I agree, but just to make things different, I'm going to say under. Ooh. <laughs> because we have we have $1 million on the line, so I got to win that money. Uh, I, I'm curious, though, with this movie, if, you know, because each week we keep saying, well, maybe the new movie that is in its second week now won't drop as much. I wonder if this could be the first one to break the steep 60-plus, almost 70% drop and ticket sales, but with it being on HBO Max, I don't know. I think a lot of people who normally go to the theater will watch it for a second time on HBO Max, myself yeah. included. Yeah, I, that's my goal. I want to go to yeah. IMAX, and then I want to go home and watch it again. Yeah, and normally I would say if it's good enough, I'll go see it in the theater, but now my second, I definitely want to start first time in the theater. Second time, I may say staying at home is, I, I'm okay with seeing it at second time on HBO Max. Speaking of the Suicide Squad, this will be our next podcast episode where we talk about this movie in depth and what we thought, including spoilers. So um, join us for that. On this episode, that's going to do it for us. And until next time, keep watching. Thank you.